I'm excited to be here. How about you? All right. Uh, we are in this series called My Flippin' Family, and I love the title because, number one, I get to say the word flippin' in church every week. Uh, and also, there's times when we've all just had it, right? We've all had that times when we're just tired of your spouse snoring. That's how I feel. I mean, Kristen is just the worst snorer ever. Maybe that's me. I don't know. Uh, we've all had those times where you just, you know, we, we want to just strangle our family like, like Homer and Bart Simpson. And so that's why we're, we're in this series. Maybe you're single. Maybe you're married. Maybe you're single again after being married. But wherever we're at, uh, we can grow uh, in our families. We can learn more from, from God's truth uh, in our lives. Um, and it, it's, it, it's, as I was preparing for this message, I found this great video online. Kristen actually tagged me in it. And it was kind of creepy because it really seemed like someone was following us around for the last 14 years with a video camera and uh, really posted highlights of, of what Goodnight is like. And so um, we're actually are going to play that. Go ahead and play that video now, Jimmy, uh, the Goodnight Honey. Uh, this is basically uh, Kristen and I's story for the last 14 years. So go ahead and check this out. Go ahead and Good night, bring honey. down this house lights. Good night, honey. Oh, after you brush your teeth. Good night, honey. Oh, the baby kicked. Good night, honey. I'll get her. Good night, honey. Good night, honey. How about we just use this full strip across your nose, and that'll help with the snoring. Good job. Love you. Good night, honey. Have you heard of this new show, Game of Thrones? She was pregnant. They're all dead. Oh my, the worst wedding ever. Oh, good night. Good night. Good night, honey. Uh, last night, I recorded you snoring. Check that out. Good night. Are you being strangled? Good night, honey. Did you just fart? No. I mean, like five minutes ago, I, I did. Like maybe I don't know, could have like got stuck in the sheets and oh, just made its way out. Dutch oven. Good night, honey. What is that? Doctor Pimple Popper. Why are you watching that before bed? It's so satisfying. Oh. Good night, honey. You have, this is my pillow. Um, I'm sorry. All pillows no, are pillows. No, this is a better pillow. This is this has been my pillow for ten years. This wow. one is your pillow. This one's like a brick. Okay, pillows are pillows. Good night, honey. It is hotter than the sun. No, in here. it is actually it's, freezing. Where did you put the thermostat on? It's no. ridiculous. I'm Our sweating. Kids I'm, are freezing. Don't bring the kids into this. I'm butt sweating. Good night, honey. Happy anniversary. I can't believe it's been 14 years. I've loved them all. Me too. I've lost all feeling in my arm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That video is freaky. We're going to be married 14 years in June. It's kind of crazy. Who else's wife has recorded you snoring and played it back for you? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I see those hands. I love that. See, what, what happens in, in, in a marriage is that when one sinner marries another sinner, uh, you double the trouble. And then you add four demanding kids who ask to be wiped, fed, entertained, and you understand why this series is called My Flippin' Family. Well, last night we talked about marriage. Are we going to love our marriage or are we going to list it? And I invited people to jump into our 90-day marriage challenge, and we now have 44 married people in our challenge. Isn't that awesome? Give each other a hand for those who signed up. 
If you still want to jump in, it's not too late. Let me know, and uh, you can jump into that 90-day marriage challenge. We have a Facebook group, uh, a weekly email that goes out about that. Um, but today's message is called Property Brothers and Sisters. Property Brothers and Sisters. We're going to talk a little bit about parenting, and maybe even if you're not even a parent today, uh, I hope today's message, can, you can get something really out of it, um, because we all have influence we all have uh, authority over others, over, over children, and uh, wherever you're at, I, I just really hope that t- today uh, can be a blessing to you. Uh, but why are we talking about parenting in this series? Well, first thing is that nothing has more impact on a child's life than their parents. If you're taking notes, you can write that down, that nothing has more impact on a child's life than their parents. You might think it's Instagram or YouTube or Fortnite or their friends, but the reality is that nothing trumps the influence of a parent. The way that you and I live, those of us who are parents, the way we do life, the way we conduct ourselves, pursue God and pursue your purpose, it all really does matter. But unfortunately, there's a number of kids whose parents are just missing it, maybe a little bit, maybe a lot. Kind of, it breaks my heart to see the circumstances that some kids are raised in. Broken homes, homes with addiction, homes with violence, homes with abuse. Then single family single-parent homes. And man, can I just tell you single parents that are here today, you are my heroes. What you're doing is almost impossible. That, that It is so hard to do that. But keep it up. And as a church, we wanna come alongside of you as best we can and to support you, to encourage you. This past week, Kristen was out of town uh, in Denver for work and she was gone uh, Tuesday through Friday. And so I was single parenting three kids. Man, I barely survived. I barely made it out of there alive. And so, man, those of you who are doing that full time, man, man, we're praying for you. We're here for you. And I want you to know that you have a heavenly father who loves you. And he wants to give you advice and direction. And, and as a church, we're here to support you. But for all of us parents here at Mosaic, our hope is that we want to help you do home well. We want to help you do home well. All right, let's get a little participation here. Uh, how many of you raise your hands? If you would like your family to be blessed, raise your hand. Yeah, raise your hand. If you don't have your hand up, you, um, you must want your family to be cursed. That's good. Yeah, we all want our families to be blessed, right? But the reality is that so often, instead of looking at the blessings that we have in our family, we more often say, I just know my marriage is not what it could be. Or raising kids is way way harder than I thought it was ever going to be. Or financially, we're just living paycheck to paycheck. We're barely making it. Raising kids as a single parent is so, so challenging. We have a lot of blended families here at Mosaic, and that comes with extra challenges when you're raising your kids and and his kids and, and our kids together, and there's exes, and it gets very complicated. Parenting is hard. One of the big issues I see, though, in parenting is that so often parents... See, their goal is they want to do whatever they can to make their kids happy. They just, want to, they just want to help their kids have a better life. They want their kids to be happy. But see, what the Bible tells us is that our primary goal as a parent is not to make your kids happy. Our primary goal is not to make your kids happy. So your primary goal as a parent is to point your kids to Jesus. It's to point your kids to Jesus. Now we have the responsibility of raising our kids to bring joy and value to the world, for them to be respectable and and hardworking and faith-filled. But all those things are gonna come when we start with pointing our kids to Jesus. Well, this big question is, well, how do we do that? How do we point our kids to Jesus? How do we raise them in a way where they wanna follow Jesus? Well, 
I think that instead of trying to give our kids happiness, there's uh, three gifts that we can give our kids. That's what I want to talk about today. Uh, Number one, the gift that you can give your kids is to increase your stability. Increase your own stability. Friends, I'm telling you, stability is a high value in your kids' lives. According to some researchers that I read online, that two of the top disorders in kids' lives today are anxiety and depression. Anxiety and depression plaguing so many kids. I mean, counselors' offices are filled in our schools. That kids are just wrestling with these things, and a lot of that is due to a lack of stability in the lives of their parents. And kids just feel uncovered. They feel they, they, they're lacking that, that sense of being grounded. I want you to just take a minute and do a little self-assessment and ask, number one, how stable is your life right now? How stable is your faith? How stable is your marriage and your home? If you're divorced, what steps do you need to take to stabilize your home? See, our stability, it matters greatly. You know, my goal is to be a consistent parent, husband, and father. Two questions to ask ourselves is, if your home and life is always chaotic, if you're always running late, if, if, if things are just up in the air and there's no sense of, of, of your home being grounded, why is that? Why is your home and life always chaotic? And then number two, what can you do about that? Is there something that you can do, something that you can change to provide more stability for your kids? A friend once asked a wise mentor, what can I do to raise my kids and give them stability? And I love what his mentor told him. He said, go plant a tree in your backyard and commit to watching that tree grow for the next 10 years. Now, it's not just about a tree, but it's committing to say, you know what? I'm committing to my family. I'm committing to live here. Now, it's not saying it's wrong to move or switch houses, but there comes a time in our kids' lives where they just need some stability and to say, you know what? I'm gonna plant a tree. I'm gonna commit to watching it grow old so my kids can have some stability. I heard that advice years ago, and so when we bought our very first home here, Maple Grove, it's the first home we've ever bought. Uh, I committed to planting a tree, actually 26 trees. And I thought, that, that might help me. <laughs> I'm gonna watch the 26 trees grow old. But I think trees are a good metaphor for the kind of parents that God wants us to be. And even if you're not a parent, the kind of person that God wants us to be. Here's what Psalm chapter one says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. A wise man, someone who's blessed, is someone who's like a tree. And on God's law, he meditates, and then he prospers. He brings forth a harvest. He... What do we know about trees? Number one, trees are solid. Trees, trees they're, they're, they're sturdy. As parents, that's what God wants us to be, to be solid for our kids. Trees provide shelter. You know, in, in my yard for, for squirrels and, and, and other things, but for kids, trees are great shelter. Number three, 
Some trees provide sustenance. For us, apple tree or, or acorns for, for the squirrels, whatever it might be, trees provide sustenance. And trees have staying power. Trees are going to last 10, 20, 50, 100, a couple hundred years. Trees have staying power. And I want us to ask ourselves, and I'm asking myself this, is, am I a parent like that? Am I solid? Do I provide shelter, sustenance, staying power? Uh, long time ago, it's, it's long now, I graduated from college and I was working my first uh, real ministry job and uh, I, I had a mentor who, who was really pouring into me, investing me. In that time, I was 23, uh, I was a full-time uh, worship leader, but also I was playing a lot of, of bars and, and, and uh, gigs and coffeehouse shows and really pursuing the, the a music career as well. And this mentor of mine, Sean, he sat me down one day and he's like, Eric, you know, this is a great time in your life. You're 23, your whole life's ahead of you, that you can wake up now and try on different personalities, different personas, uh, careers. You, you can try out you know, the music thing, working in a church thing, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, it's kind of a transient type of life. Uh, you know, I wasn't dating Kristen yet. But he said, but at a certain point, Eric, when you get married, when you have kids, your kids are counting on you to be the same man when you wake up the next day as you were when you went to bed. Because you're that rock. And, and that really stuck with me. And so I wanna encourage those of you in the room, teenagers, 20-somethings, those who aren't married yet, and this is a great time in your life to really explore, hey, who am I? Who's the person I wanna be? To really explore, to, to get to know yourself, to try out different things. It, it's a great time when you don't have other people counting on you to be that stable person, that, that constant in their life. Again, it's not saying you can't ever change. But once you're married, once you have kids growing up, for your kids to know, hey, dad is not just gonna someday, you know, uh, dump mom and get a convertible and, and, you know, start dating some 20-something. That No, dad's gonna be consistent. The mom is, is the same woman last night as when I wake up tomorrow morning. There's something about that stability. And that's a great gift that we can give our kids. So again, maybe if you're not married, you don't have kids yet, work on that now. How can you develop your stability? How can you step into your identity that God has called you to be so that when you have people counting on you, you know, man, this is who I am. I, ha I have some depth. I have some, some weight. I I've been grounded in my identity. I know who I am. And maybe you're realizing, man, I have kids and I don't know who I am. I want to encourage you, what can you do to, to dive into that, to really pursue who you are in Christ, the way that God made you to be, so that you can increase your stability, so that your kids can count on you? That's the first gift that we can give our kids. The second one is that we can set a good example. We can set a good example. Why is that? Because your kids, for better or worse, are almost always going to follow your example. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, the apostle Paul He's writing to one of his church plants. And he says this, he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. He's saying, hey, you want a picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus? Look at my life and follow how I'm living. What phenomenal confidence to be able to say that. Could we say that? Hey, kids, you want to know what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus? Just look at my life. For better or worse, our kids are going to imitate us. And so 
who are we imitating? Who are we modeling our life after? See, kids need someone to follow. Kids love to imitate things, right? Man, you ever have a kid who starts like just repeating back to you and imitating your, your voice? It's kind of annoying. You're like, is that how I really sound? You know, uh, and just, just weird things. Like, like, I realized years ago that I make the number three very strange with my fingers. Um, most people do this. I, I, do, I count like this. Chris and I was like, don't do that. Your kids are going to do it. And now they do too. They're like, one, two, three. They count like that. They count three like me. Um, my kids have the same taste in music as me. They love the Beatles. They love U2. They love Coldplay. Um, when we, uh, one time, Josh was super bummed out a couple months ago. And so he went into our, our living room and put on a record of Abbey Road by the Beatles. I've never been so happy as he was like bummed out listening to a vinyl of the Beatles. Like, this is amazing. You know, but my kids imitate the way I pray. You know, when I hear little Andrew pray and and thank Jesus for dying on the cross for our sins, because he's heard me say it hundreds of times. For better or worse, our kids are going to imitate what we do. The Apostle Paul says that we're to set a good example. Here's what he told a younger pastor, Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. He says, be an example to all believers. I think this is a great verse for us as parents and kids, but again, wherever you're at, if you're not a parent, this is a great verse for all of us, to be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. I want to dive into that. Those those five specific things that Paul outlines. Number one, he says, be an example in what you say. Parents, what comes naturally out of your mouth? Your kids are going to imitate that. It's so important. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, words have the power of life or death. Man, words do create life. They can also suck life out. And we as parents want to get better. We're not going to get perfect. And more and more, having life-giving words. Here are some life-giving words I was just thinking about this week is telling our kids, hey, I love you. You are loved. There's nothing that you could do that will ever change that. I'm so proud of you. God has a plan for you. Tell your kids that you are a gift from God. Tell your kids that you are strong in the Lord. And here's a life-giving word that, man, this is, this is a tough one for parents. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? It's a way of giving life and value and dignity to our kids, to acknowledge that we make mistakes. And then I was just thinking, what are some life-taking words? What's wrong with you? You'll never be any different. You're worthless. You did great in your test, but why can't you do that all the time? Shame on you. And then just cursing, using sarcasm. That stuff just takes life from our kids. Be an example in the way you speak. Number two, in the way you live. Our kids are gonna imitate the way we live. They're gonna imitate our morals, our work ethic. Your kids are gonna imitate how you handle things like alcohol, conflict, gossip, money. Is your life one that you hope your kids will imitate? Do you say, yeah, I hope my kids handle work and morals and money the way I do. Because odds are they are going to whether you hope it or not. 
And so this is a chance for us to say, man, am I living in the way that I want my kids to imitate? Number three, in the way that we love. And that starts by showing love to them. Kids need to hear that they're loved and they need to feel it. Kids need to heal it, hear it and feel it. Researchers say that all of us, including kids, need eight to 10 meaningful touches per day to be emotionally healthy. Now, a lot of us in Minnesota, like, we're not very good at that. Like, I get that. Like, I'm not naturally uh, someone who touches people. But in all these areas, we can grow in this. Our model is Jesus. Jesus invited the kids to come. They'd climb all over him. He'd lay his hands on their head. He would pray for them. Jesus touched the untouchables. Those that religion said, hey, you're not allowed to be touched by anyone else because of your condition, because of your disease, because of what you've done. So many times I love in the Gospels where Jesus could have just spoken a word in healing, and he did that sometimes. But other times, Jesus was intentional. When he saw a leper, someone who hadn't been touched 10, 20 years, and not just speaking love, Jesus reaches out and touches that person who had not felt touch in forever. And Jesus modeled that. How do, we, how do we show love? How do we speak love? And one of the ways is by appropriate physical touch. This week I, I read that, you know, that when children are the recipient of appropriate touch by a loving and godly person, they're more likely to say no to inappropriate touch from an ungodly person. I'm gonna read that again. I think it's, it's, it's good and eye-opening. That when children are the recipient of appropriate touch by a loving and godly person, they're more likely to say no to inappropriate touch from an ungodly person. See, we crave that love and affection. We crave that touch. If you're raising kids as part of a broken or blended family, man, you need to be even more intentional about showing love through touch. Studies just show that particularly girls who grow up in broken homes, they're more likely to seek out love and affection uh, in a sexual way from others two, three, four years younger than girls who grew up in a stable environment. And what's really sad is I hear stories as a pastor of girls, women, who they were their daddy's little girl and they were allowed to climb up on his knee and cuddle. But then they went through puberty. And then the dad just kind of shunned them and, and wouldn't cuddle anymore. And sadly, all too often that happens because those fathers are viewing things online they shouldn't be watching. And they're looking lustfully at these young girls and as their daughters grow up and begins to resemble these young girls, they feel really weird about it. And so they can no longer cuddle. They can no longer have appropriate touch with their daughters. And then what happens? Those girls seek that out elsewhere. And they get in trouble. Man, especially fathers, we have such a huge responsibility to show love and affection. Let your little girls crawl in your lap. Cuddle with them. And I struggle with this. There's times I'm like, okay, I can't handle any more touch. I just tell my kids, like, I need a break. But it's so good. It's so important. Especially girls with their dad 
There's just something there that they need those cuddles. They need that love and affection. So I just urge you dads especially to, to just be super, super intentional. And even as your girls hit junior high and high school years, they, they may not seem like they need it, but the reality is, man, those girls need it just as much as when they were little girls. And so, man, how do we express love? Is We say it, we show it. You can write it down. As your kids get older, those of you who are parenting teenagers and, and college students, young adults, man, text them encouragement. Hey, I'm thinking about you today. You got this. You know, man, just a small text from your parents can mean so much. I know that when, when I get a text, I'm 39 years old, and I get a text from my dad, like, wow, great message. Or I'm so proud of you for coaching your son's team in baseball. Man, that, that, that gets me going for uh, a couple days. Just one little text. Because words have so much power. So I want to encourage you, especially uh, those who are parenting older kids, be intentional. Send those texts. Even if, you like, you know, you're, even if your kids are just responding with an emoji or just a, okay, you know, it really, they really do need it. You might not get the response back that you, you'd like, but man, keep investing in them. Keep sending them encouraging texts. Number four, model in our faith, in our faith. What's your faith like? Are you setting the example of faith in your home? Are you pursuing God beyond Sundays as a family? Are Sundays a high priority for you? The opportunity to come together to worship? Are your kids seeing you live out your faith by serving and loving others? Do your kids hear you pray for them? Do your kids hear you pray for others? Or is your prayer time just something totally separate from your parenting? Do your kids ever see you open God's word and read it and journal? Man, praying out loud for our kids is so important. That's something I committed to do when I became a dad. Is that, man, every night I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna pray over them. Even if I come home late at night, I'm in a meeting and they're asleep, I'm gonna go in there. I'm still gonna put my hand on them and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray over them out loud. It's so important. And our kids start to hear it. They absorb those truths. There are certain things I pray for my kids. You know, I pray for my son Joshua. That he'd be both tough and tender like Jesus. And my kids would be both kind and courageous. They'd be brave and bold. And, and as they hear me speak those things over their lives, they, they start to, to take those truths down deep into their souls. Are we modeling our faith? Are, 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 they, are our kids hearing us pray out loud for them? I know that my dad still prays every day for me and my sisters and his 13 grandchildren every single day out loud. Now, my dad does it when he goes in his hot tub at night or in the early morning and, and, and praying under the stars. But I know that fills me so much encouragement that I know my dad still is praying over me. He's praying over my kids. And so uh, your pastor's telling you that if you need to go get a hot tub to help you pray out loud for your kids, <laughs> you have my blessing. Number five, impurity. We, we model through purity. Ephesians 5.3 says this, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Paul says there must not be even a hint, a hint of sexual immorality, not an itsy bitsy teeny, we need a little bit of sexual 
immorality. Now let me ask you, would flirting with someone who's not your spouse be a hint of sexual immorality? Yeah. Would looking lustfully at images on a screen be considered a hint of sexual immorality? Ladies, if some hot guy at the gym walks by and you start praising God for his six-pack, is that a hint of sexual immorality? Yes, or Chris Hemsworth or whoever it might be. The question isn't how much impurity do you want to let in? It's, it's how pure can we be? How can we model that for our kids? Last year we did a parenting series and I talked about the poop brownies. And I love that story. So I'm just gonna talk about one more time. If you're like, what are the poop brownies? Well, there's a middle school boy who wanted to see this movie and he asked his mom, hey, can I go see this movie? And she's like, no, there's some stuff in there I don't want you to see. And he's like, well, there's just a little bit of bad stuff in there. And, and he's begging her, begging her. And finally, she's like, all right, fine. You can go see this movie, but first I'm gonna bake you some brownies. He's like, yes, I get to go see the movie, plus I get some brownies. So she goes out in the yard and grabs just a spoonful of the dog poop. And he, she brings that inside and adds it to the mix in the brownies and mixes it all up. And she bakes the brownies and she gives it to him. And right before he's getting ready to take a big bite, she's like, I just want you to know, there's a little bit of dog poop baked into the brownies. He's like, what? Gross, I'm not gonna eat that. And she's like, what? Just a little bit of poop, right? Her point was that, that a little bit spoils it all. And so... In our lives, man, we want to parent that same way of saying that, man, we don't want even a hint of sexual immorality to show through. You know, what happens too is that so often, you know, we get married, we're young adults, start watching TV shows, start watching movies, and our kids are babies and we don't really notice it. And it's so easy to let them, as they grow up, to, to just be around while we're watching shows that honestly we shouldn't be watching, that have a little bit of poop in the brownies. And so instead of saying, well, I, this is fine for them to watch, I guess it's okay, to say, instead of saying, no, I want to model purity. I want to model that I'm going to think on things that are true and lovely and right and good and pure. Not how much can I get away with, but, but how can I stay close to what Jesus wants for me so I model that for my kids. So we can increase our stability we can set a good example. And number three, just stay in the battle. Just stay in the battle. See, if you and I quit, then everybody loses. If we decide it's just too hard and we walk away from our families, from our kids, everybody loses. Galatians 6, 9 says this, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Man, parenting is hard. It's a long, long marathon. Marriage is hard. Paul says, let us not grow weary of doing good. If your spouse is just hard to live with and you're, being, and you're growing weary, like stay in the battle. Keep doing good. Keep showing love. Keep forgiving. Keep modeling a life that Jesus lived. Stay in it with your kids. I know parenting toddlers is hard. Those sleepless nights. Parenting teenagers is hard. It's a different kind of sleepless nights. As you wait for them to come home, when your kids are out in the world and not living in your, under your roof anymore, man, that is so difficult. But don't grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we don't give up. We know it's hard. And the truth is that the years when your kids need your time the most is when you have the least amount of time. When they need all your attention and you're trying to build your career and you're just out of sleep. 
And we can't do it all on our own strength. That's why we have to lean on Jesus. Uh, as, as we get ready to close here, I just want to talk specifically to the moms. Uh, and uh, I've got my little uh, tray here, and I'm hoping this thing doesn't fall apart as I pull it over here. You know, being a parent's hard. And especially, I think, being a mom is, is super, super tough. Because I just think, no matter what, as a mom, you are pulled in more directions than just dads are. Uh, it's just so funny that just consistently, you know, kids will run around the house and dad is like sitting there. And they're like, have you seen mom? You know, and it's like, mom! It's like, I'm right here, ask me the question. But they know that moms know. And see, what's so often happens, I think, is, is that we're, we're like this glass vase, and Kristen's like, don't break this. This is from our wedding. I'm like, okay, I'll do my best. And, and see, we, we get filled up. But I think what happens so often, with, with, with moms especially, is that they're, they're trying to invest and pour into others. And so what, what they do is they, 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 they lean over, and they give a little here, and they give a little there, and, and, they're, and they're giving and, and giving, and what happens so often is that I think women, especially in moms, they bend over, and, and before they know it, that, that vase topples over, and the whole thing can shatter. And then moms just feel worn out and exhausted, and they've just given beyond, and, and something's got to give, and something breaks. Because you're trying to pour out, and you're bending over backwards. I think what God wants for each one of us, and especially moms today, and I don't want to give you a guilt trip at all, is that instead of, of trying to bend over backwards and pour here and there, instead to focus in on Jesus and allow him to fill you up. Because then, as God fills you up with his spirit and, and you're getting poured into, you know, then it's just going to flow out naturally to your kids, to the world around you, as it just bubbles up over. Instead of leaning over and, and, and instead of bending over backwards and everything shattering, that you just, you wait on God. And what naturally is gonna spill out is, is what he gives you. And, and I wanna just encourage you moms to take some time for yourself to, to make yourself a priority. Uh, I, I got to be honest, uh, I, I'm a big reader, and uh, a couple weeks ago, I was like, man, I want something different to read, and uh, I know there's some ladies in the church who are big Rachel Hollis fans, so I'm like, well, I'm going to read one of her books. It's not really my cup of tea. So I actually listened to it at the gym, and she, she only refers to all her readers as ladies. So it's kind of weird to be at the gym and be like, ladies, here you go, and I'm like, okay, I'm listening. You know, um, it was an interesting experience, but it's good, but there was something she said in there towards the end, and she gave a challenge to all the moms. And so I kind of adapted some of her stuff. And here's what I want to challenge you moms, is that to be the best that you can be, to be filled up. Here's some things that she just challenged, and I, and I kind of adapted some of these things. And um, I'm kind of into challenges for the series. So here's kind of my, my mom challenge for all you moms in the next 30 days. Uh, and, and she said this, like, if we want to be our best, we have to take, take care of, you have to start taking care of yourself first. And number one, that, just start drinking more water. Like, yeah, it's a good example, but also, like, it flushes out the impurities. Like, it's so easy to go around, and I know you're just chugging coffee. You're just trying to get through the day. 
But all of us, man, we need to start drinking more water. Number two, move exercise 30 minutes a day. Like if you're married and your spouse is not, if your husband is not giving you time to move 30 minutes a day, like you need to have that conversation with them today and be like, pastor said, I need to have 30 minutes every day to move, to exercise. Just, you're gonna be a better mom. Number three, here's what she challenged. She said, wake up one hour earlier than normal. Now some of you I know wake up like four in the morning. Like don't wake up at three, that's okay. But I know there are some moms where, where if you wake up and, and the way you wake up, and this is me, this is so easy, right? If you're woken up in the morning with your toddler staring at you, asking for a snack, right? It's never a meal, it's always snacks, or TV or whatever it might be, like, you're just not gonna start the day right. And so try to get up before your kids can get up. And that's your time. You know, have an hour where you can exercise, you can read, whatever it might be. And I know that's so hard, you know, uh, but talk to your husband. Kristen, talk to me. What can you do to make that happen? Number four, book a coffee date with a gal pal. And so right now, pull out your phones if you need to. Give my permission, like make that appointment so that in the next month you have time to grab coffee with a good friend. You can just share your soul. Like we want you to connect with your husbands, but man, ladies, you need that. Like, because guys, we just don't always have it, right? And you need time to connect with another lady. If you don't have someone in your life where you can connect with, oh, man, find someone in the church. Find someone in your small group that you can connect with just to have that. And, and just tell your husband, man, I need to have this. I need to have a night where I can go out, I can connect with a gal pal. Uh, and then number five, uh, start a gratitude journal. That not just like, God, thanks for my husband and my kids, but be very intentional about starting a journal at the end of the night, say, here's specifically today. I'm thankful my car started this morning. And I'm thankful that Starbucks is on my way to work so I could get my coffee. Because here's the thing is, if every night, and this is for all of us, if we know we're gonna write down specific things that we are thankful for, then we're gonna start seeing those things more and more. And that's gonna change our whole outlook, how we see the world. We're gonna start having an attitude of gratitude because we're just looking for ways that, man, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for this. You can come up with your own list, but especially moms on Mother's Day, keep at it. Make some time for yourself though. What can you do so that you can be filled up with Jesus so that naturally it just flows out over you instead of leaning over to the point that you're just gonna shatter into a million pieces? Because moms, we need you. We need you. Man, our families, we, we need you. All of us, what can we do to increase our stability? We can be more solid, whether we're parents or not. What can we do to set a good example for our kids, for those around us. Just in this church, kids are looking up, up to, uh, to all of us. And then, and then stay in the battle. Don't give up, don't quit. I'm gonna have the band come out and uh, they're gonna lead us in one, one song. And sometimes we do this, we just have like a response song. This is just a time for you, you can just stay sit, sit, sitting, you can stand, you can kneel. And then after the song, I'll come back up and just close this and then we'll receive our closing offering. But this song just says, I surrender, I surrender all to you, Jesus. Maybe today, maybe there's something that you've just been holding on to. Maybe it's some anger or some bitterness at an ex-spouse. Maybe it's someone who hurt you. And you're just gonna say, Jesus, I'm gonna surrender this to you. Maybe you've just been trying to hold on to all the answers and do it yourself. 
Maybe you've been bending over every which way and you're afraid you're gonna lean over too far and get shattered into a million pieces. And so you're just gonna say, you know what, Jesus, I'm gonna surrender all that to you. I want you to fill me up right now. Maybe you've realized that your life is just not setting a good example that you wanna set for your kids. Maybe there's some ways you've allowed some poop in your brownies. And say, Jesus, I'm gonna give that up to you. I'm gonna be more intentional. I'm gonna allow you to come in and fill me and renew me. Because here's the thing is that whatever is inside of us, that's just what's gonna spill out. If it's anger, if it's jealousy, if it's greed, that's what we're gonna pour out into our kids. But when we say, Jesus, come and cleanse me, renew me, fill me with your Holy Spirit, as we live a life of confession and repentance and say, I'm not perfect, but I'm growing in Jesus and I'm trying to, to be more like him, then that's what spills out over us. Love spills out and, and grace, peace spills out. That sense of confidence and, and our identity set in Jesus, not in ourselves. I just want to encourage you in this song, maybe you need to write something down that you're going to surrender to him. Maybe just taking a minute just to pause and reflect. We hope this next five minutes is just a gift for you. Before the rest of Mother's Day activities or whatever it might be, that you can just reflect to receive from Jesus. Would you join me in prayer? God, I thank you that you are here with us. And God, that we aren't strong enough to do this on our own, to parent, marriage, just life. So God, we surrender. We want to surrender it all to you. God, we ask that you would just empty us of all the things that we, that aren't good for us. And God, that you would just fill us with your Holy Spirit, fill us with your love, fill us with grace, fill us with peace. God, I pray that each and every one of us, God, that we could just have increased stability, that we would stand on your word, stand on your promises. God, that we could be like that tree by streams of water. God, that we'd be solid, stable, providing shelter and sustenance. God, that we'd set a good example in the way we live, whether that's for our kids or nieces and nephews, grandchildren, kids in this church. And God, that we'd just stay in the game, that we wouldn't give up. God, if there's anyone today who just feels like giving up, God, I pray that you would just speak to them right now. God, they would know that they are loved, that they still have a purpose and a plan for their lives, and God, that they would not give up, not give up on their life, not give up on their calling, not give up on their kids. We thank you that you are here and you meet us in our brokenness. In your name we pray, amen. Let's sing.